When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right. Ooh. Little voice crack at the start there. How about that? Welcome, welcome, welcome on in to the latest edition of the Off Air Podcast. I am Chris Thomas, joined by the head, Honcho, Mike Conti, and Mike. I'm a little annoyed this morning. I'm not gonna lie. We're gonna get right into it. I don't like the way some of the Hawks faithful on Twitter. And I know it's Twitter. I'll, I'll crutch it with that. And uh, even some of the coverage after their loss to the Hornets this weekend is so dang negative, Mike. This team won five games in a row. Looked really good doing it. You see a potential for this team to get back to the playoffs. And I feel better about this year's team than last year's team. And you lose one stinking game, and all of a sudden it's fire Nate McMillan. What was he doing at the end of the game? Why is Trey inbounding the ball? All these narratives. Why is he subbing out uh, John Collins or putting in John Collins and taking out a hot A.J. Griffin at the end of the game? All these narratives. It's like, guys, did you forget what the last five games were like? Everything was good. So, Mike, help me out here. We got to uh, reach out to the Hawks faithful and say, guys, Slow down. Or do we? You know, I I mean, I think, again, everyone has a right to their opinion. I I think even the Hawks would tell you that they would be very happy that people feel as strongly as they do um, about their situation right now. Yes, everything you've said is true. I mean, they've they had won five in a row. I think they've still won seven of their last 10, even with the loss on Saturday. You know, they've moved from a couple games below 500 to now over 500. They're within striking distance of getting into the top six. So, like, all all of that's really good and really positive. Um, You know, six of their next seven games are on the road. That, I think, is a little scary. But, you know, the thing is, Chris, like, I I don't think, you know, you mentioned Twitter, which is not, real life which is not the real world but but i think hawks fans who are very expressive on twitter hawks fans who call into this radio station who are very expressive they don't necessarily look at things in a game by game way i think they look at the overall size of um you know the sample of what this season has been and where the hawks have been disappointing this year kind of came back to bite them again on saturday against the charlotte team that did not have lamella ball um, a Charlotte team that did not have um, – who else was out? They had someone else out too. They had two of their normal starters out, including LaBella Ball, their best player. Um, you know, they saw Terry Rozier go nuclear in the second half, and um, that's not a game the Hawks should be losing at home, quite frankly. I mean, it's not a game that any team that has aspirations to be a contender in the Eastern Conference should be losing at home. And what caused them to lose? A lot of the same issues that we've been talking about all year. Um, Shot selection probably wasn't the best. Shot selection for one particular player wasn't the best. 
Um, Nate McMillan's been criticized a lot for end-of-game management this year. Uh, he got criticized for not calling a timeout against the Chicago Bulls a couple weeks ago uh, in a game-ending situation. He didn't call timeout again in this game-ending situation. Actually almost worked this time. Um, but then you had his decision to have Trey Young inbound the ball against a guy who's literally a foot taller rather than have him out on the, the playing surface where he could have had a chance to take a shot to tie or win the game. All of those, I think, are legitimate questions. Uh, I, you know, all of those have kind of issues have kind of persisted all year. So I don't think it's unfair to ask these questions. I don't think it's unfair to have a strong opinion about it. I do think you're right. I think any conversation we have about it has to be put into context. And you bring up some context that is true for the most part since the beginning of the calendar year. Um, well, more than three weeks ago, the Hawks have been playing good basketball. So that's part of the context too. But, you know, people are passionate for a reason. And and I, I don't necessarily think we can be the arbiters of, now you're wrong for thinking that or you're right for thinking that. We can't really tell people how to feel. We can only give them a venue um, to express how they feel. Uh, for sure. I just, I, I also expect a lot from the fans. And I expect them to be, if I take calls on my show, for example, if someone starts banging the drum and screaming and yelling about fire Nate McMillan after this game, my retort to them to be, where were you during the five-game winning streak? You know, right. where where were you when this team was collecting itself and putting itself together after a very slow start to the season? So you want to bang the drum for that because you see something that's, you know, that you don't like and that well, is not – is not a good, uh, you know, way to, to end a game, but there were five Let, games right before that. Let's look at the game the night before against the New York Knicks, where the Knicks started really hurting the Hawks in the second quarter from the three-point line. They're shooting 71%. Nate McMillan, after halftime, switches into a zone and completely mm -hmm. shuts down the New York Knicks. So if you're going to condemn him for a decision, in the same breath, you've got to credit him for a decision. I've said all along this year, I think, way too many fingers are being pointed at just one person. You know, a lot of people want to point the finger at Trey Young. A lot of people want to point the finger at Nate McMillan. I don't think that's where the, the fingers need to be pointed. The issue that the Hawks have this year, and quite frankly, it was an issue again on Saturday night, is they aren't deep enough. Bogey McDonovich didn't play on Saturday. The Hawks bench only produced 19 points, and most of that was from A.J. Griffin. So that, to me, has been the issue all year. You go from a team that had DeLon Wright, Lou Williams, and Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter coming off your bench to a team that has the Holiday Brothers coming off your bench. It's a huge, huge drop-off. That's the issue with the Hawks this year. Uh, if you if you want to you know, point fingers or blame anything, in my opinion. But again, that's just my opinion. And as a radio station here, and even within this podcast, um, you know, we're a form for debate. So my opinion might not necessarily be the correct one. I'll try to defend it, but that's my opinion. You have your opinion. Our callers have their opinions. It's okay to have opinions. All right. We'll open up the phone lines 404. Oh, wait, we're doing a podcast. That's not how this works. Right. All right. More basketball talk for us, Mike, here as, uh, Mr. Shannon Sharp made some noise over the weekend. Uh, he, for those who missed it, was at Lakers Grizzlies. Uh, was this Friday? I believe this was Friday night. 
Um, he gets into it with some of the players of the Grizzlies, and then he stands up from his courtside seat and starts yapping at some of the players. Dylan Brooks responds in particular, you ain't bleep, you ain't bleep, you ain't bleep. Shannon Sharp, you don't want none of this bleep. You don't want none of this bleep. Steven Adams gets involved. The crowd forms. And then we have uh, him being taken, escorted, shall we say, to the, the, the locker room area where he was talked to by some folks and then was allowed back after halftime. Mike, my question to you is, was there enough discipline done there for situations like this? Because we see it. Not frequently, but, you know, there's been a handful of times where celebrities have taken advantage of their access to the teams and the players. And this one, to me, was an all-timer because it actually could have impacted the game itself. He did stop play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, discipline, probably. I mean, no punches were thrown. There was a lot of hold me back, hold me back. But no punches were thrown. I mean, nothing really graduated to the level of um malice at the palace oh nothing even close to that um you know there was no assault or anything there was disruption to the game but there was no assault i thought it was incredibly embarrassing for all parties all parties involved i thought it was embarrassing for shannon sharp i thought it was embarrassing for dylan brooks i thought it was embarrassing for team morant i thought it was really embarrassing for the entire memphis grizzlies team um, this Grizzlies team reminds me a lot of the Oklahoma City teams that would come into Atlanta, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Very, very chatty, very, very combative with fans sitting in the front row. Um, you, you know, th- this one gets tricky because some people are going to take the sides of the athletes. Uh, you know, they're going to take Dylan Brooks' side, they're going to take Stephen Adams' side and say that. Uh, they should not have to be subjected to heckling uh, like that, that that they they don't deserve that, that, that they should be protected from that. Um, and that Shannon Sharp was completely in the wrong. I mean, Shannon Sharp wasn't doing anything productive by jawing at those guys. Um, there's going to be another school of thought that's going to say, well, you know, back in the 80s, I mean, the Washington Bullets had a fan who th- they placed behind the opposing bench specifically for the reason <laughs> to heckle, Robin Ficker. Uh, right. Detroit had a guy like that. Um, you know, they, they put him behind the bench for that reason, to heckle players. Uh, and it wasn't an issue then. I mean, it, was, it would be an annoyance, but no one would challenge or or – uh, approach or or go chest to chest with any of these guys. So, look, I don't know. I um I think Shannon Sharp himself even said on his show uh, a year or two ago that just because you buy a courtside ticket doesn't give you the right to um, misbehave and and say offensive things towards players. Based on what was reported, though, I don't know if Shannon Sharp said anything that was necessarily line crossing. And I don't know if the Memphis Grizzlies' reaction to Shannon Sharp was necessarily commensurate with what he said. So it's tough. Um, I just thought it was incredibly embarrassing for all involved. A terrible look. Uh, and and bizarre. I mean, you have Zach Zarba, an NBA referee, trying to separate fans and all that. It, it was just so weird. Um, now let me ask you this. If If... 
that was John Q. Public and not Shannon Sharp, are they? Is their Staples Center crypto arena pass revoked? I don't know. I don't know because again, um, no punches were thrown. Apparently, according to reports, nothing really offensive or um, you know inappropriate was said. It was more general jawing, um, you know, about someone's quality of play. It doesn't sound like there was really any name calling. It doesn't sound like there was any, you know, threatening language or anything like that, at least based on what's been reported. And, of course, I wasn't there, but that, that's just based on what's been reported. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's enough to merit any kind of um, – you know, lifetime ban from the facility. I'm I'm really having a tough time with this, to be honest with you, because I do think some good-natured ribbing and, and heckling is part of the game. It always has been. And I don't know how suddenly now we've graduated to this point in the NBA where such behavior is just absolutely intolerable and needs to be responded to with the whole team swarming a fan. I don't well, get- we, had, we had it uh, with courtside Karen. Yeah, and well, yes and no, because courtside Karen um, said something. LeBron wanted her removed. She was removed. You didn't see the Lakers swarming courtside Karen. You didn't see LeBron's, you know, um, you know, mother trying to, <laughs> you know, like intervene and all that. No, I mean. LeBron wanted the fan removed, and the fan was removed. She didn't go quietly, but the fan was removed. By the way, the other fan involved in that is back sitting courtside at Hawks games. So, again, like, actually, I think courtside Karen and the the people up in Indiana a year or two ago who also heckled LeBron, that's probably the best example of the situation being handled appropriately. The player had a complaint. The player wanted the fan removed. The fan was removed. They were either relocated to another seat or kicked out of the building. You continue to play. There's no fight. There's no entanglement. There's no threat or anything like that. Like it, it, honestly, again, I mean, I, I don't want to put the blame only on one side because I think it was embarrassing for everyone. But it just seems to me that Dylan Brooks appeared, in my opinion, to react in a way that was not commensurate to Shannon Sharp yelling something at him that was not threatening. That's that's what I'm stuck on, you know? And right, to right, be right, fair, right. Dylan Brooks kind of has the reputation of being a trash talker. Yeah. So, like, it's okay, I guess, in the course of the game to trash talk your opponent, but when a fan does it to you, we've got to have a fight. I, I, I don't get that. Now, speaking of uh, Twitter, one thing that was funny to come out of this, there was a post-game cut of him talking in the locker room after the game, and he was wearing a uh, – I, I don't want to call it what it's actually referred to. He was wearing a an undershirt, let's call it, with the straps that are referred to in a way that's derogatory towards women that I don't want to call yeah. it. 
Um, And it was really big on him and really long. So Twitter, everyone was accusing him of wearing a onesie after the after the post game. And they're like, "Where's the where's the button so you can unsnap it and go to the bathroom?" So so that is that is a way where Twitter actually uh, can be good in those types of situations. Right, right. We, it can always inject some humor and lighten up a situation. I I just again. I'm embarrassed for everyone involved. It was not even remotely close to malice at the palace or anything like that. Thank God. I don't think we've really come that close to an incident like that in sports since it happened. And that was almost 20 years ago. Now you want to feel old. Yeah, That was almost 20 years ago. Now Uh, we fortunately have not had anything remotely approaching that in a long time, but just like, come on, play the game, watch the game. Don't make it about yourself. Don't overreact. Have a thick skin and keep it moving. Um, both sides looked really, really awful in this. The artist formerly known as Ron Artest involved in that situation. Yeah, that was... I, I, I know a couple people on the broadcasting side who were in the middle of all that. Oof. and uh, I mean, that that is absolutely the lowest moment in my lifetime for the NBA um maybe you know for the history of the league and um I will say this David Stern handled that thing about as well as he can handle it from a commissioner's standpoint he he uh he held everyone accountable the punishments were severe deservedly so um and and I think security was upgraded around the league at all their arenas also as a result of that to I guess a a spot now where something like that happening becomes very very unlikely now we hope all right Mike before we get into our final topic here we got a little breaking news on the program Oh, okay. I was just given permission to announce from the head of our digital department, Knox Bardeen, <laughs> that Dukes and Bell is going back on Twitch starting right. today, which is Monday. So, Mike, why don't you tell the people about that and uh, where they can watch Carl and Mike and all the shenanigans live and in studio? Yeah, uh, I <laughs> I don't know the actual web address. <laughs> Twitch.com slash. <laughs> no, it's twitch.tv slash. ATL 92.9 the game. I could find it. Yeah. If you could Google that, that would be great. Like I'm here. I'm thinking, please don't ask me what the URL is. Please don't ask me what the URL is. (laughs) Uh, But no, we're, we're really excited to get Carl and Mike back on Twitch. Um, I know a lot of our listeners uh, before and, and during the early stages of the pandemic, they really enjoyed the ability of being able to watch the, uh, the broadcast while it was going on. Uh, some people, you know, you like to have it in the background. Some yeah. people like to really watch intently, but it it really is a neat peek behind the curtain. And it's something that'll have production value to it. it and if you watched before we had to shut it down a, a year or two ago, you know this. I mean, we have a couple different cameras in the studio. We have a switcher. We have graphics. We have someone operating all this like it's a TV show. So it's something that has... Uh, you know, legitimate production value. And it's something we're very, very proud of. Our idea is that we're going to expand it to uh, all of our prime shows starting weekday mornings and continuing all the way through Dukes and Bell every day. Um, 
not not exactly sure what the timetable is on that, but that's a goal of ours. But you know, you've got to take one step before you can take the next one. But uh, really, really like our TriCast operator, Jason. He's been a, a great addition to our team. And and today, after a couple weeks of rehearsing and making sure all the equipment's good to go, you're finally going to see the finished product. And uh, we're really excited about it. Twitch.tv slash ATL 929 the game. There you go. Twitch.tv slash ATL 929 the game. You can catch all the shenanigans from 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. I feel like I just got caught in that Simpsons episode where Homer (laughs) mailed Mr. Burns a package that he didn't want him to get. And uh, (laughs) he went to the post office to try to retrieve it. And uh, he goes, hello, my name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. And the, the mailman goes, okay, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? And Homer goes, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's like you just did that. Hey, Mike, tell us, tell everyone where you can find the the, the show. I don't know, and I probably should. So, well, uh, there no, you, you, you know what? We twitch.tv slash ATL929 the game, right? You got it. You got it. And I think as brand manager, we can give you a pass because. I think you have a lot of things going on behind the scenes right now, and I don't know if uh, memorizing the new Twitch address is exactly number <laughs> one of the priority. And for all those wondering what I'm talking about, you just got to keep listening and keep watching to 92.9 The Game. All right, our final topic here. Let's talk about the playmaker. And I'm going to use him as an example to make a larger point. He uh, yesterday was doing the pregame show Uh, before Cowboys and 49ers. And he was asked right before they went on camera by Rich Eisen, who filmed this, how he was feeling about the game. And his response was, well, we'll just let you hear that. And then my greater issue is, have sports media personalities become too much about their persona and less about being a sports media analyst? Switching the guys, they said something last week as we were preparing to do the show. They said, Michael, you look nervous. I said, I'm not nervous at all because I knew 30 beats 15. We were averaging 30, Tampa were averaging 15. And it beats it in every language, even the languages I don't know. 30 beats 15, even in brotherology. And brotherology language is always backwards. Like when we say, oh, that girl fat, she really means she's fine. That kind of stuff. So I knew 30 would be 15. I mean, Mike, let's let's be honest here. I don't know if that was English. I don't know if that was Morse code. I don't know what the heck that was from the playmaker. It just sounded like he was being loud and talking fast for the sake of being loud and talking fast. Yeah, I agree. Uh, however, look, I want everyone to everyone that I'm watching and listening to to be unique and sound different and not be milk toast and give me ordinary content. So in the sense that I, I, I don't want to be bombarded with just this, you know, steady stream of generic blah, blah, blah content. I like the fact that Michael Irvin's trying to be a little bit different. I'm not totally sure what I learned from that little passage that you played like that. You learned that 30s bigger, bigger than 15. Well, I, I think I may have known that, but that's okay. 
Um, no, look, because, because that's the other side of it. Like the best analysts, we talked about this with Greg Olson and, and Charles Davis last Wednesday. Right. The best analysts are the ones that are going to teach you something you did not know without it making it seem like they're trying to teach you. Um, uh, Michael Irvin's not necessarily doing anything informative or anything that would li- rise to the level of, of teaching me something I didn't know, but he's being real. He's being unique. He's being true to his persona. I don't hate that. I think a lot of people are very entertained by Michael Irvin. I'm entertained by Michael Irvin. I'm not entertained by, you know, some talking head in a suit who is not unique and doesn't teach me anything. So I guess Irvin's got like 50% of, of what I look for down. I have no problem with it. Plus, look, the the other trap that I think we fall into as an audience is we assume that that these people we see on TV and that we listen to on the radio, they're just kind of like these robots. They aren't real people. They're just robots that have no personality, no feelings. They just kind of spew out words. Um, I I don't feel that way with Michael Irvin. I feel like there's some authenticity there. So I have no problem with it. I just don't really know what I learned there. Right. For me, for an example, I think a good example of that is, um, without naming names, I think one of the major networks has a pregame show that has a great balance of shenanigans and information. And there's okay. another broadcast that does a pregame show that's all shenanigans. And okay. to me, I'm not attracted to that. I don't need, you know, everyone on the broadcast trying to be the next Good Morning America host or the next, um, you know, superstar that ascends entertainment and gets reality TV shows and things of that nature. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, we do look to these people for sports insight and analysis first and foremost. And the funny stuff and the great personality is a subset of that, that puts you above the milk toast people that you're referring to. But I feel like lately there's been like, a race to see who can not only be the guy that gives you the sports information, but also could have a, you know, a show on VH1 or MTV. And I think there's a little too much of that going on. I also think there's a lot of copycat stuff going around. Like for example, I'll just come flat out and say it. ESPN for 10 years has been trying to copy inside the NBA with their NBA pre and post game show. They have failed. Because there's only one reason why inside the NBA is as good as it is. It's because of the people on the show. Mm-hmm. Unless you clone Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley, you're never going to replicate the inside the NBA formula. And Lord knows ESPN has tried. You know, they're trying to make Jalen Rose this kind of random guy and and say outrageous things like Charles Barkley. It just doesn't work because you're not the same people. You know, it, I, I'm... I'll be curious when we're off the air, which pregame show you were referring to as being all shenanigans and which pregame show you thought had the better mix. But let's face it, for the last almost 30 years, 28 years, the Fox pregame show has been the ratings winner. Mm -hmm. CBS has tried to do things to, I think, emulate what Fox does. But they have failed because, again, the personalities on Fox are the reason why they're winning. So you can try to come up with these formulas. You can try to come up with these content solutions. 
to be a winning show. But when you start getting into this copycat rut where, oh, they're they're number one, so we've got to try to copy what they're doing and maybe do it a little bit better, I think that's where you get into trouble. Uh, real quick before we close out this episode, what did you think of Matt Ryan on TV? You know, I only saw the highlight. Um, I'm going to confess something. The show that Matt was sitting in on, I find to be a little boring. Oh, so, okay. uh, I was, I think maybe I just gave away <laughs> the pregame show that I prefer. Uh, the show that Matt was on, I, I find to be a little bit boring. So I was watching some college basketball at that time. I, mi- I totally missed it live. I think Matt will be very, very good in broadcasting if that is a career path he chooses. I think he'll be excellent at it. Uh, He's so well-spoken, he's so smart, and he's very, very patient, which I think is a huge key for any athlete who wants to go into our industry because it does require a lot of patience. Uh, He checks all those boxes, so um, I look forward to seeing if he wants to continue with it once he retires from football. And if he wants to come work at 92.9 The Game, he knows where to reach me. He has my number. Yeah, that would be uh, Mike Dash at com. He's got he's got my number. My brother was his PR guy this year in Indianapolis, and was his PR guy in uh, Atlanta for a time. So uh, he knows where to reach me. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, the salary demands and all that else. Will oh be, yeah, no problem. You know, yeah, we got <laughs> what, what we got. We got that, that spare change lying around in your office. Yeah, right? no, that's couch cushions. No problem. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, with that, I and by the way, I did think he was pretty good. Actually, surprised. Good. Yeah, what I saw was good, I thought. Yeah, uh, and that'll do it for this episode of the All Fair Podcast. Follow Mike Conti on socials at Mike Conti 929 and I am Chris Thomas at C. Thomas Radio. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Hey, everyone on Twitter, go easy on Nate. <laughs>